Welcome everybody to episode 176 of the Big Glow podcast. It's so good to be with you. And uh, this is going to be really fun today, and it already is. Happy holidays to everybody. Thanks so much for being here in the here and now with me. I have a guest today, and my guest is Mr. Simon Paul Sutton. Simon Paul Sutton. I was on his his show that he, he used to run called Simon on the Sofa, and I was on that show for I was on that show twice, and we had such a great uh, fun, amazing time, and it's great to have him here today. Let me see if I can uh, bring him in right now. There's an ad button here on Facebook. Go out on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and YouTube and archives and who else here. There he is. Greetings. Greetings, sir. Hello. I hear you and I see you. And uh, it seems like that's so much of what your work is about. So how great is that? <laughs> Hello. How are you? you? hear each other? I'm good, man. I'm good. <clears throat> I was just talking about how like, we, we did the Simon on the Sofa uh, twice. Yes. And how much fun we had together. We had some bathtub it's love. So great to, we had some bathtub love. Uh, welcome, Philippa, Annie, MH. I mean, Juni, welcome everybody. When you're entering, you can tell us where you're from and you can ask questions anytime or share comments or thoughts. This is a, an interactive space to connect and commune. And are you in uh, Malta? I'm in Gozo, yeah, Malta, on the Maltese Islands. Uh-huh. Yes. And that's been your base for a while now, right? Yeah, I guess my, well, my base is obviously the UK. I'm, that's where I live. I've sort of based, like, that's where I've been for many, many years. And then now I sort of come out to Malta and, and sort of pitch up here for long periods of time and then go to different places wherever I'm uh, traveling around. But, yeah, I've, I've sort of got a little bit um, uh, attached to the small islands. I seem to keep hopping from small islands to small islands, like the Caribbean, Dominican Republic, Bali, and these different places. And then I also kind of... The, the funny thing I've noticed is that all the small islands I keep going to and sharing this naked, the retreat, as you know, that I do, it's all deeply religious islands where you're not allowed nudity or nakedness. Uh, kind of funny. Yeah, you're, you're, uh, kind of makes sense. Like you're, you're at the edge. I have a friend that's a Tantra teacher and her and her partner, they find themselves all of a sudden doing all this work in China. Right, you know, which they never thought was going to happen, or never even imagined was even like on their radar, and all of a sudden there's like this demand in China, you know, for their, for their work. It's it's interesting because we're, as we're connecting globally now with, I, there's a lot of things I don't like about Facebook, you know, but <laughs> one thing that's interesting about it is that it's connecting people in ways that they've never been connected before, you know. So I get messages from people from like, you know, Nigeria and Kenya, and they're opening up to new ideas and things that, you know, and we're opening up to their ideas. So it's this really kind of fascinating thing that we're at right now that's pretty amazing that's happening on the planet. Yeah, there's a real, um, yeah, that's a big topic. I, I guess that's what, you know, we go, I know like, what I love about showing up with you is we just show up and see where we go and flow. And, and I've loved, um, yeah, I love observing how you're, um, 
your continuation really it's not even about that you're necessarily arriving at any new place it's the more the continuation of sharing that space that you invite people to and it's quite a quite an interesting time at the moment for me in in looking outwards in in meeting lots of different people around the world in different situations and then feeling what you just described the collective um the collective awakening if you will or the collective uh, transition that we're going through globally and how that sort of um you know, permeating all areas, or it seems like. And then there's this like, whole, like, you know, chaos and crises and intensity that's, like, really building up around. And, you know, this sort of techno technology, like, soaring. And as, as you mentioned, Facebook being, um, you know, sort of, uh, what's that, a lesser of two evils, like we say sometimes or something. <laughs> right. It's just right. like, I, I don't know, it's like, you know, we all need it and it's so beautiful and it's connecting us and it is such a, an amazing opportunity, all of this um, social platforms. And at the same time, how to find like um, our space, which is something you invite people on in your retreats, our space for that real authentic connection, that space to find balance, to come back to here, to come back to this space here with us without the noise that, that, that starts to come in, you know, the, the, and I even notice it myself, you know, I'm, I'm active on, on Facebook and I share a lot of stuff and I want to like be part of this sort of revolution of love that's taking place. And I just noticed yesterday taking a day out and notice how much noise was actually going on inside of like the, the need for doing something. And, and I have a regular meditation practice, but yesterday was really heightened. And then I had this conversation around technology and speeding up and all this other stuff going on. And it was really quite, um, there was a lot of angst inside of me and a lot of um, confusion and, and sort of, I, I think I just allowed that in for a moment, yeah? It's like it just came in for a moment of just really feeling the, the vastness of what's happening at the moment with, through this transition and the speed that things are really moving um, and then feeling into like, wow, you know, coming back to breath, coming back to meditation, coming back to that silence, and then feeling today and that wanting that uh, balance, you know, it's like, a, I don't know if you've been experiencing this, Brian, or, or the people that you that come into your field, but like this sense of really finding, what's the words I'm looking for? Finding the, the integration, you could say, and the, the balance and the centeredness, the groundedness, let's say the calm, within the storm, you know, the eye of the storm, and then like being there and being very uh, safe in your own sense of aliveness, and then being able to witness everything, but not get too pulled along or identified with it. That's really what seems to be going on for myself and many mm -hmm. others. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. The eye of the storm, for sure. Um, something that you said initially really sparked me, which is that um, Facebook or social media in general it's like, you know, people like you and me, like we're, we realize just the power of authenticity and, and, and the, the freedom that it brings and the love and the, the inner peace and the empowerment that it brings. And social media, it feels like this thing that's increasingly manufactured. You know, you manufacture a post and you, you write it up ahead of time and you prepare it ahead of time and you have a certain angle of the picture and you put that out. So it's, it's almost like it's the opposite of that. It's like people are creating an image and projecting that image to each other. And it becomes this thing where, like, the thing that we really long for, we're, we're getting less and less. To the point where we don't even know how to get it anymore, you know, for many people. It's all about, let me show you that, you know, let me show you what I have. Well, let me show you what I have. Well, let me show you what I can, well, let me show you what I can do. Yeah. There's not even a real dialogue that's happening. 
which has led me to this. You know, I think this, this, this is where we go, you know? It's like, it's a, it's a space that's like, there's no plan, there's no story. That's what this right. is all about. It's, that's right. the whole intention for me of like, whatever arises, that's what arises. It's real, it's genuine, it's authentic. Right. Um, it goes where it goes. It doesn't go where it doesn't go. And I think it's, it's a real medicine for people. I think that, you know, this kind of whole podcast, Facebook Live, you know, kind of extended format is, 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 the, is, is where it's at. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. I mean, I feel that you've, again, not to, that's really what birthed Simon on the sofa several years ago. Yeah. Right? Yep. So, several years ago, yep. it was like, how can we go out there and find conscious, real conversations? Yeah. And, and yep. I was sparked in 2012. I always use this as a, as a message, not to say that the Dalai Lama knows everything on the, on the planet, or I'm not saying oh, I'm Buddhist, but I love what the Dalai Lama said in one of his talks in 2012, he said that the next decade will be a decade of conversation. And the only mm -hmm. way that we will be able to find, uh, navigate ourselves through the, the lies and the, the confusion and the madness is through authentic conversation where all of us can just show up, reveal ourselves transparently and share what's going on inside of us. But I love what you just described and I want to just speak to that a little bit because it seems to be in the mainstream as well. Like I, I haven't watched the whole film, but there was a film that came out called The Circle. I don't know if you saw that. It's pretty much basically, no, it. It, it's pretty much basically Facebook, um, an expression of Facebook. And there was um, um, this sense that everyone's going to just be putting themselves like virtual TV on these videos, on these video platforms, as we're seeing happening on mm -hmm. YouTube and all these other platforms. And now, of course, Facebook Live is, is, is taken over, probably going to soon take over the run of the mill over YouTube, I'm sure, as well, the way, because there's so many billions of people on here, right? So it's like, so it's that sense of, okay, we want to give people authenticity, we want to give people transparency, we want to sharp real so that we can feel, right? You hear that? We want to sharp real mm -hmm. so we can feel. Like, like yeah. the, when, we, when we show up and share our vulnerability, we speak from the heart, we speak to other hearts. But what I notice a lot of this going on is this deep consumption of information. And like you just said, one person shares one thing and rather than like maybe digest that and feel into yeah. what that person might be speaking, the next thing is, well, yeah, you know what? I found this post as well. And I found this article. You should check out yeah. this person. What about this man? Or what about this? Yeah. Oh, there's this retreat and this workshop and you should go there. And it's like, wow. It's like, oh my God, I was just posting <laughs> that. You know, I like buying, you know, Pete Gross's uh, podcast. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's like, you know, you're inundated with this sort of, it can be sometimes almost overwhelming backlash of, of information consumption. And, and so for me, it's like, how can, how can I constantly keep bringing people into a space of intimacy, a space of intimacy with themselves, a space of intimacy uh -huh. with others. And then that real, like, like, I love technology. I love the fact that me and you can talk on the other side of the world. I love the way that, you know, we, we are being drip fed, let's say, technology, because there's a hell of a lot more uh, uh, knowing of technology's capacities way before we got the smartphones, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we know that, that the way that technology gets drip fed into the masses is through stages because it would overwhelm them, overwhelm us. I include myself in that. You know, if all of a sudden mm -hmm. it went from this phone you know, remember with the dial, with the dial and the, cable, yep. and the cable, if it would have went straight to the iPhone, it would have blown people's minds, right? It's like it, it's being drip fed slowly. And now we've got the iPhone, which has become the mini computer, which has become the chip. And now we're talking about people are talking about the chip that's coming and the, and the, the retina scan, which is already here and the touch, the touch uh, fingerprint identification. So this is all being 
um, let's say, orchestrated to bring us into this technological age. And this is something that we must also sometimes when we think about AI and where we are as, and how to communicate and how to show up, how do we, which comes back to what I said at the beginning, how do we really find the integration and the welcoming of technology to merge with, you know, to merge with where we are as humans and human connection and authenticity and so on. Because at the moment, you know, it's sort of like, it can go so many different ways depending on where we choose to put our focus. So that's how I, I view it. Yeah, it feels like technology is an extension. I mean, we're creating the technology. So the, the, the technology is an extension of our, in an extension of our intention. There you go, a little, <laughs> right. little poetry this morning. Right. Um, let's see, do I want to tag, it's giving me an option here for something. Yes. Um, it's giving me, so, 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 so then it's like, whatever our intention is, is, is our intention for authenticity is our intention to really like access, like the truth of who we are and discover who we really are and, and, and intimacy and connection and communion and realize our oneness and unified field. Or is it, you know, in, in the realm of the ego and like, let me show you, like, I'm better than you and let you see if you can show you're better than me and let's have mm. this competition on social media, you know? So it feels like the technology is advancing, but can the consciousness advance, you know, can, it, can, can, can the awakening accelerate that the, that, the, that the technology is in support of this awakening of consciousness or is it just going to be in support of this egoic, you know, right. sense of a separate self? Right. Well, this is, I mean, I mean, that, that is the inquiry, right? There's no, yeah. I, I, I don't, like a friend of mine said the other day, <clears throat> and he's, here, he's very much into the whole sort of, let's say, um, cryptocurrencies and the, yeah. uh, the, the blockchain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the blockchain. And, and yeah. he, he, he studied robo uh, robotics. And mm -hmm. uh, I was sort of talking to him in my sort of, let's say, a little bit more feminine, you know, uh, uh, let's say esoteric, like, you know, it's all, uh, it's all love and we're all flowing this way. And like, you know, where's this idea of uh, uh, mm. free energy and, and open source and free sharing. And, you know, and if everybody just shared everything, then we would have enough for everyone, you know. And he said to me, he says, it's fascinating. He said this talk about energy and free energy and, and, and where we are sort of in our, in our construction, construct mm -hmm. of, the, of the ego. And he said, yeah. well, he, he said that he felt that there was this, po this point where it came, where it was like, will we go artificial intelligence and explore that realm? Or will we welcome in, will consciousness welcome in free energy and, and, and explore that sort of realm of, um, you know, let's say, um, f finding more of ourselves, our creativity and going on that path of self-realization, just to put that, mm -hmm. you know, as a sort of measure. Yeah. And it seems that, you know, the, the speed of technology and where the focus is going is it seems that AI is really sort of taking more precedent into our uh, societies, our, our, our current mm -hmm. structures. I mean, of course, this is, you know, just a generalization. But, um, yeah. but it was fascinating when he said that to me because... I've always had this thing around when we start to wake up and we love ourselves and we start to think about unity and, 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 and collective uh, consciousness and how we can, you know, unify, like you said, into this field and, and, and tap into our pure creativity and who we are beyond our identities. And, you know, when we, when we mm -hmm. explore that realm, that dimension, and we go into that, then, of course, when we look at society from that standpoint, 
you know, we see so many flaws, right? We see so many things like, wow, well, free energies have been around for, you know, hundreds of years. Why don't we just bring that in? And then we sort of look at like the structures in place and the systems that have been, uh, you know, controlling us and that we've been coerced into, but also acquiesce into, right? We use them, we need them. Um, mm -hmm. And I love what Charles Eisenstein says on this, is he says that this idea of free energy and this idea of unity consciousness or, you know, this acceptance of diversity and so on, that is a beautiful new story, but the consciousness that we can sort of tap into and, and let's say vision into moves a lot faster than the current structures in place. So, you know, is the collective, the question more is, is the collective awake enough to even potentially welcome in ideas like free energy or who we, who we are as our real selves or, you know, going beyond the, the, the limitations of the personality and the ego, ego constructs. Like, because if we look out in the world, we don't, we, we're sort of seeing this uh, emergence, you could say. You know, I watched, just, I throw this in there for you. I watched a documentary the other night called The Science of Yoga, 26 minute documentary, lovely, lovely documentary. It said on there that 10% of Americans now, the population of America, are practicing yoga in some form, right? 10%. Which is, it, and I'm not saying to you and your viewers that everybody must do yoga, but understand what yoga is beyond just doing the asanas and going to the, um, going to the uh, uh, practice, right? It's this idea of bringing coherence and balance. It's this, this journey to the self, through the self. It's the, the call of union. It's like this sense of knowing yourself beyond your physical form. It's going into altered states of consciousness. consciousness. Of course, there's this sense of health benefits, for, for sure. And there's this, you know, it makes your body feel strong, etc. But there's, you know, there, as you know, there's a, there's a much, um, uh, let's say, deeper calling. And so when you hear that 10% of America is now doing yoga, that's a profound number. That's a, that's a really, that's an amazing statistic. But... That still means that 90% may be not even considering that they are anything beyond their physical form. So we could still be very young, and many people say we are very young when it comes to being in the egocentricity of our time. That's, you know, just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, um, it feels like that's the, fundamental, that's the fundamental question. I think that's why, I mean, people like you and me, I mean, so speaking for myself, that's why I devote my attention to where I do, because it's like technology, you know, I, I, I came from a place, I went through a lot of different phases in my life, right? So I went through like the super back to nature hippie phase, um, that that was the answer to things. Um, and there's people that, oh, technology is the answer to the thing, right? Well, I don't, at this point in my life, I don't think either of them are the answer to things, right? The answer is, is within. Technology is a tool. Technology could be good for us, could be bad for us, depending on where we are in our consciousness. But that's the fundamental place where we're going to make the shift, you know, being the change that we want to see on a conscious level. So that's why I put my energy mostly there. And I know you put your energy mostly there. And I can see technology being a beautiful expression of that. Or, yes. you know, if we don't have that consciousness, I can see it being really, you know, really a dark place to, to live, you know? Um, yeah. But that's the fundamental question. And, and, and it, it is, there's an opening that's happening and um, it's kind of like you can, you can focus on what you're for, what you're against. That's another thing I've totally come to realize, right? 
So we could talk about, oh, the president and how he sucks and you know, all that energy, but it's, it's not creating anything new, right? You know? So we can put our energy toward creating something new together and creating spaces for people to come together, creating you know, gatherings and retreats and circles and places for people to create the, the world that they imagine, the world that they dream of. And, and um, yeah, that's, 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 that's where it's at. That's, that's, that's what I find um, yeah. exciting and I appreciate about, you know, doubling into your work more this morning and um, that's what's inspiring for people. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I, I love it and I feel like we are in such a, like I, like sometimes, Brian, I look at, like I, I try to look at the, you know, sort of not that I look at, history as being completely true of everything we've been told but if mm -hmm. I look at sort of the you know past as we sort of can see it or and again seeing it from maybe not just by the limitations of what we've been told because I always mm -hmm. call history his story and I find that a little bit yeah. one-sided right so mm -hmm. yeah um, but if I look back and you know humans in different times have all gone through quite you know, serious transitions in their own way, right? For us to be where mm -hmm. we are today. Yeah? If we look at our ancestors, they, you know, many of them have endured huge crises and, and gone through huge shifts. So I feel, or I like to feel that, you know, we are in a huge um, uh, shift right now, a transition, and that there really is this, maybe it's a choice point, yeah? Maybe that, that really is all about choice point, where, you know, it's not to like, uh, get into the separate, separate sense of like, oh, it's going to be this way and you, you must all do this and, 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 and go this way because this is the only way because as you and I both know, it's not about being one way. But there's definitely going to be like, uh, it feels like these big choices where, you know, are you, are you really purifying and refining yourself? Are you really going inside and looking at what needs to be healed inside of you? on an individual level? Are, 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 you, are you consciously waking up and making that decision? Are you seeing that you are a magnificent contributor to where reality unfolds? You know, because if, if you don't, and I speak to people listening and so on, if, if we don't, I say we because I include myself here, if we don't see ourselves as co-creators of reality or, or where evolution is moving through us if we don't and that's okay you don't have to but you just see yourself as a passenger and and, you, and you're just a passenger that's okay whatever happens in government whatever happens in certain situations i'm just going to adapt and deal with it if if that's your standpoint then for me i just i, I just feel that we're going to be caught in so much limitation and like what, what i like to really step into is this infinite possibility this infinite potential this this sense that we are gods in the flesh as Joe Dispenza likes to term it. And that if we are gods in the flesh, then our, we matter, but we have to move ourselves out of matter into creativity. And I love this. I love this, I love this sense of like through breath work, through meditation, through awareness, through conscious awareness, we can literally rewire the very fabric of our being. We can rewire the DNA. We can rewire all of the deep conditioning around lack, scarcity, unworthiness, all of these uh, belief subconscious programs that we agreed to we can rewire them and then we shift into complete different expressions of life force that excites me bro mm -hmm. here's an interesting me. yeah here's an interesting question in, in relationship to that what is the relationship between 
being authentic and creating your reality. Does that question make sense? Yeah. Like what's, what, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So what's the, yeah. So what's the relationship between being authentic and creating reality? So, so I get, I mean, the first thing that pops up is that we're creating reality no matter what, right? So yep. for, from my standpoint is when I was a criminal and I was burgling people's houses and I was taking people's jewelry and their wedding rings and all their gold and, and whatever else I could get my hands on in order to sell and, 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 and make money for myself. And I was very much caught up in the addiction to fear and the adrenaline running through my body of survivalism in that time. And I was a criminal and I was drug dealing and I was hustling. Then I was projecting my plasma, my, my, where focus goes, energy flows. I was projecting that into that reality. So I became a product of my reality. So I was driven by fear. And then so what I was expressing and experiencing was a, a reality of fear, a reality of um, domestic violence, a reality of lying, a reality of deceit and cheating and so on. Does that reality still exist? Yes, it does. Is it what I would call an authentic reality? Not so much. If I want to keep projecting my plasma into that reality, what do I create? I create a reality that's inauthentic. So if you want to link, what does it mean to become authentic? Then for me, it means that you have to face the lies and the, the, um, um, the dense frequencies of these emotions and behavior patterns. And then you have to ask yourself, how do you rewire that into more authenticity? So for me, transparent communication was, I will never lie again. I made a, I made a, I made a conscious mm. decision to never lie again because I knew that I was lying. I was cheating on my partners. I was lying in my life. I was gossiping. I was caught up in a, in a, in a program in my, in my main system, my mainframe, that was creating a reality of suppression and darkness, if that's what you want to call it, right? I don't, I mean, you know, I was a criminal. Doesn't mean I was bad or wrong or did anything wrong. I am who I am today based on my, my experiences. But, so I'm not calling anybody out there who's maybe drug dealing or doing crime uh, that you're wrong, but you're making choices. You're creating reality all the time. So it doesn't matter whether you are aware of it or not, you are creating your reality based on the thoughts and the feelings that you keep having and then spit, spitting out into the collective field. So I made a conscious decision to no longer lie again. To, and as I, as, as I had my own epiphany and fell in love with life, fell in love with the fell in love with myself, fell in love with the, the, the bigger, the bigger love, as you call it, the big glow, right? As I mm -hmm. fell in love with the big glow, then the big glow took over, you know, the big glow took over. It's like, okay, what's going on now? You know, okay, you're diving into the unknown, you know, you're, you're, you're going to make conscious decisions based on awareness, based on love, based on unity, based on exuberance, based on joy. Your, your default state is love, is joy, is, is service. This is, you know, mm -hmm. you know, so all of a sudden you shift, you shift from an authentic state of, uh, of um, or sorry, you shift into authenticity and then you continue to create, right? It's not like I'm mm -hmm. creating. It's like you're, you're frozen here, Simon. Are you still with us? Let me see if I can. Uh... 
see if I can bring you. There's this moment I was like, is he going to come back? No, he's gone. Okay, so now we know he's gone. So he'll be back shortly. I think he, he, there's so much energy and so much excitement that he, uh, he fell off the screen. <laughs> but I assume he'll be back. Um, and I'll see him pop back on and we'll bring him back on. Um, but it, yeah, it's a really interesting question around authenticity and creating a reality. There he is. It looks like your, camera's, your camera looks like it's not on. Let's see. Is there a way that I can bring you back on? Looks like your camera is not available for some reason. Hmm. Let me see if I can figure that out. Meanwhile, um, just to touch on that, so there's an interesting point that was made about yeah, there's no there's no uh there's no option to to bring you on with a camera. So I'm not sure what we do about that. But we're talking about this uh yeah, talking about this level of authenticity and uh, creating your reality and the unification of the two together in the moment. That's really strange that your camera is not available. You see where we're at time-wise. We're at 29 minutes. Hmm. Yeah, maybe just, maybe just turn off your computer and turn it back on. That usually solves like most of my... <laughs> Most of my technological problems start from turning my phone off and turning it back on or turning my computer off and turning it back on. And I'll chat. Anyway, you guys have any questions or comments a while that, uh, that are coming up for you? Anything you want to share? Any reflections? Any thoughts? Any perceptions? Any insights? Any jokes? Any riddles? Any stories? Oh, yeah, there you are. I think you're on now. Well, now it says your camera's there, but now I don't see an option. Can you send me an invite to come on? Is there a way you can, like, invite yourself to be on? Okay, there we go. I think I did it. Yeah. All right, there we are. We're live. We, we must have created that reality. Yeah, I think now, we just. Um, I think one, one, thing, <laughs> one thing to share is uh, your. I think your mic is hitting your coat. Go which on. Cause like a. Yeah, that would work. Okay, that, that, cool. That's not too difficult. No problem. <laughs> Good. Thank you for picking think, up sound. Sound is I important. What, I think that's what knocked you off off the air. Was like there was, there was like a something from your coat, and then it went. And it all yeah, I don't know. It's. Yeah. It's a bit, ten it's tentative with these Facebook lives. You get dropped yeah. out and so on. That's why yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find a new platform to use the, uh, with them, like Zoom or something, because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get dropped out. But thank you for holding the space. So, yeah, I mean, like, let's, like, maybe, like, how, how are you finding it, really? Like, how are you finding 
like I'm sometimes I think that as you move into the mystic world, yeah, you move into that there's so much more happening than what the eye can perceive. Mm-hmm. I don't know any other way to navigate than to just be truthful, to be authentic, to be transparent. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like transparency has become my, my guide. That's it. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I love that. I love that. that that's, you know, that, and that's what you're sharing with the world. I think it's a fascinating question because um, in terms of creating your own reality, people, like, I think what you said, what you said is a really key point. I am creating, we're, we're creating our own reality all the time, right? But the, but the idea goes to, like, create my own reality means I need to try to be happy. I need to try to look, you know, be joyful. I need to try to be blissful. I need to try to be, you know, important. I need to try, whatever I need to try to be, I need to, I need to try to be beautiful. I need to try to be all these things because I'm creating my own reality, you know? Right. Um, and it's like, but then there's this other side of the coin of, like, which, which well, you know, I'll get this sometimes, too, of, like, well, you're not authentic because you're just like seem happy all the time, you know. And it's yeah. like, well, that's not that's not, that's not where it's at either. So right. there's like this authenticity that's actually like beyond thinking or beyond thought of like just being like absolutely present in the moment, and whatever's here is what's here, and the mind doesn't have to judge it as good or bad or right or wrong or this is this is the way it should be or shouldn't be, right? It's Beautiful. just like. Yeah, whatever's here is beautiful. Whatever the emotion is, whatever the feeling is, whatever the sensation is. Yeah, well, the, the, that's beautiful. The sun is coming in on your chin. I and know. I'm, I'm losing a bit of your beautiful face, but that's okay. You, you are the light yeah. anyway, so it's okay. I am the light, yeah. Um, 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 so, okay, that leads me into a, a cool little game. And this might be great for you, um, um, for your viewers as well. So, because many of them have been... I'm sure following you and your, your, your offerings for some time mm-hmm. and your continual, like, for example. Now we have a question. Should we tie that into what you're about? Yeah, to tie share, it in. Yeah, let, well, okay. let me just share this little game because anybody yeah. can play this. Okay. It's a real cool game. I mean, you can play it for a moment. So mm-hmm. you just said something like, what's here now? And this is the game. And it goes like this. And you can use this in your retreats and anybody can use this. You can use this mm-hmm. in your relationships, the whole thing. Literally, mm-hmm. it goes like this. What's here now? So I would say to you, look into your eyes, your beautiful eyes. And I say, what's here now? And you turn around and you can only say one word to describe what you're feeling in this moment. Mm -hmm. That's it. And then when you said that one word, you say back to me, Simon, what's here now? And I tell you one word that I'm feeling in this moment. And what happens, Mm -hmm. you can do this. We can do it for like a, a few times just for the audience to feel it. But what this does, if you do this for some time, like five minutes, 10 minutes and so on, you will notice that you go through a whole wave and an array of different m- emotions moment yep. to moment. So the key is, it's not about whether you're always in a deep state of joy. Today, I felt hopelessness. Today, I felt I was sat on the, a beautiful rock looking out to the sea with the sun shining on my face, a phenomenal view, uh, complete awe all around me and wonder. And I'm sat there feeling hopelessness. So, you know, it's like, it's about, authenticity is about feeling it all. But mm-hmm. um, let, let, let's do it for a moment. Let's go, ready? I look yep, in your ready. eyes. So what's here now? Light. What's here now? Calming, calming down. What's here now? Breath. 
What's here now? Curiosity. What's here now? Like a open expanse. What's here now? Appreciation. What's here now? Uh, yeah, gratitude. What's here now? Distraction. What's here now? <laughs> <laughs> Laughter. <laughs> What's here now? Uh, Letting go, what's here now? <laughs> <laughs> More laughter. What's here now? Yeah, peacefulness. <laughs> so that was so that would go yeah. on, you know? And yeah. you can go you can go on and on and on with this as long as you want. And it's it's a yeah. really great tool for sometimes yeah, exactly. Active listening. It's a great That's tool. That's here now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a great tool for really taking a moment to check in, you know, like what's really going on inside right now, not the mm -hmm. superficial surface layer of communication that I'm supposed to, you know, give. Like, actually, what's really going on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, please. we do a version. We do a version of that, that same exercise at our retreats, too. And um, what I also find really valuable about it is to have spaces where you can share what's alive for you, what's present for you without the mind. Oh, this is, this is right. Or this is wrong. Or oh, I'm so sorry. Or I'm so happy. Or how can I change that? Or how can I fix that without the feedback? You know, you can right. share what's ever. And that's what I, from the feedback I've heard from people, that's what they find the most healing about that exercise like that is I can yeah. just share and, um, um, it's okay to be whatever I'm feeling in that moment, right? Which is beautiful, right. yeah. Which, right. which it always is, but we don't realize that when people are telling us all kinds of things about what we're feeling, what we're doing. Or of course, our own minds are telling us things about what we're feeling and doing and what's happening. Yeah, and then what happens? Yeah. What happens, Brian? Just before we take this question, what happens is that we project. This is also something that come up uh, recently in in uh, mm -hmm. the workshops that we do. There's so much projection that we have going on outside with assumption and personalizing and so on that we very rarely take a moment to just check in and actually be okay without needing to fix somebody and like one of your one of your viewers just said active listening and and but mm -hmm. listening without the need to speak about what's going on for you but just to listen to that person and not need to fix them or tell them that there's something wrong or that they should do different yep. or they or they should they shouldn't be feeling hopelessness you should only yep. be feeling joy today are you not spiritual right. You know, and it's like, right. you know, all, all of this stuff gets so confused where actually right now, if you're if you're aware of anything that's going on in, in the outside world, which is a collective manifestation of the collective in the inner world of the of the of the beings. Right. It, then you you are feeling it all. I mean, you are just feeling it all. The Internet has opened us up to be able to see and feel everything that's going on all at once. So, you know, it's, it's difficult if you don't have um, personal practices to constantly come back to joy, to constantly come back to that default state. Because most of us, Brian, have been taught that our default state is actually fear, closure, separation, um, anxiety, shame, guilt, vulnerability, not, sorry, not vulnerability, but that, the, those states of, um, you know, conflict, right? 
um, anger, violence. That, that most people we, we look out in the world and we see the majority of people are mostly in diminishing thoughts and feelings. If, if you really get them to write down what their, their dominating thoughts and feelings are, most people, and I, I, I don't want this just to be a generalization, but out there in the world right now, most people are feeling really uh, um, hopeless, as I said earlier, angry, frustrated, confused. There's a lot of diminishing thoughts and feelings going, self-hatred, self-loathing, unworthiness, not knowing where they're going, you know? So it's like, so, so this idea of when I said earlier about creating your reality, this is a little caveat because I know in the spiritual world, it's like, oh, you just create your reality. Well, I've been sitting all day long thinking about this, you know, this <laughs> thing. It's not happened. You know what I mean? What's going on? I, do you think I would create Donald Trump going into politics? I wouldn't do that, would I? You know what I mean? It's like, and you think, you know, and you get this, like, you get into this stupid intellectual conversation about what it means to create reality. But what we're talking about here is that your thoughts and feelings create your personality and your thoughts and feelings create that personality and that personality creates your personal reality. So how you interact, engage and show up in the world is actually played out by your dominating thoughts and feelings which are created from your beliefs and behaviours. So therefore, if you don't look at your core beliefs and your core um, programming beliefs, right, then you, you don't even realize that you're contributing to the mass collective out there. So it's really like this work of looking inside is not just about closing your eyes and going, okay, I'm meditating, what's happening? It's like you've got to go in and do internal surgery of your outdated belief patterns, you know, dominating thoughts and feelings. That's, well, that's, that's, my, that's my perspective. Yeah, yeah, a couple, a couple of reflections on that. Uh, by the way, just remember to hold the, the mic out when you're, Oh, yeah. Sorry. You're sorry, man. Your brilliant wisdom. Ah, uh, so sorry. Uh, no problem. Um, so, yeah, a couple of reflections on that. Um, first, go back to your first point about the eye of the storm, right? It's like, I think the important thing to, to recognize is you, you can, the access to all these feelings, everything in the universe is accessible to, to me, right? So, and to everyone. So there can be pain, there can be pleasure, there can be sadness, there can be happiness. But what's so amazing, this is what I would call like the big glow is the metaphor for this, is when you can just really be with the sadness, you know, that I've been avoiding for years, right? When I can just really be with the pain that I've been avoiding for years, there's something that's the eye of the storm. There's something that's beyond that particular feeling that you recognize, oh, that's who I really am. Right. I was so afraid that if I was in this pain, if I just embraced this, it was going to like destroy me or it was going to like kill me or it was going to like be the end of me, you know? Right. But it's actually kind of the beginning of me. Like it's actually, oh, I'm, that sadness can't affect the essence of who I really am mm -hmm. at all. That pain can't affect the essence of who I really am at all. It's okay to feel pain. It's okay. To, it's just temporary. It's just a temporary passing feeling, you know? It's a temporary passing sensation. So that's my invitation to people listening that feel like, Oh, I don't want to like acknowledge that I have pain or sadness because I'll be there forever or I'm gonna, it's going to destroy me or yes. hit me. It's not going to. Like it's, it's, you know, it's, gonna, it's actually the way through it is to – there's actually this really simple line by Rumi that really like was transformed me. And Rumi said, the cure for the pain is in the pain. <laughs> it's like such a simple statement but really powerful. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 It reminds me of there's no – the only way out is through. Yeah, you know? the only way out is through. Yeah. And, yeah. And, like, 
you know, I know you had some questions, so so it's like uh, maybe you want to ask those questions. But just one one thing, I just feel that it's so lovely what you just said, and I don't know. I'd like you to say this because you've been taking people on this journey. Maybe this is something for you to say, speak to as well. Is when you go on this path of looking inward, you know, it's like opens up a a vast abyss of nothingness, and you start mm -hmm. to you know explore that you're not your thoughts and feelings. So I'm saying mm -hmm. to people go in and rewire your thoughts and feelings and they're creating your, your state of reality and your personality, yeah. right? And at the same time, this is the funky paradox of life. That's the question. If you listen to like, you know, Adishanti or Muji and yeah. many, many other messengers out there, you as well, yeah. you share this and many others and I share this too. But the thing is, is like we say that an eye cannot see an eye. A knife mm -hmm. cannot cut itself. Mm -hmm. So you are also not your thoughts and feelings. But when you tell somebody who's so caught up in their pain and not feeling great, that, hey, dude, you're not your thoughts and feelings. So, you know, get over it. You're the space, yep. you're the space in which they happen. Like that, that doesn't always actually help people. So what I try to do is I try to be really uh, uh, empathic and compassionate and try to meet people where they are. So like, you know, with you, I could sit with you around, the, around wherever I am in the planet with you and we don't really need to speak. Right. Do we, we, don't, we don't really need Why to speak. Why are we talking right now? Yeah, exactly, right? Right? It's like, well, we don't need to speak. What, what is there no, to we say? Don't. No, right? what, nothing. What, there's nothing to say, right? No. So, the, the, so, you know, and I sit with some people, there's nothing to say. But when you go on this path, like, you know, I like to talk, I like to create, I like to put things out in the world and I like to take people into a space where you can go into space, meaning mm -hmm. you can go into nothingness. Like I'm not revealing anything magnificently uh, different than anybody else out there in the world on my retreats that's so special that you, I always say to people, you don't have to come to my retreat. Like go to, go to Brian's, go to somebody else. It doesn't matter where you go. Wherever, wherever you find the space, find the space. It doesn't really matter. I like, that's why I always say to you, Brian, nothing I share is exclusive. It's not mine. No, no, it's mine. I'm just, I'm just exploring myself and then dying and dying and dying and dying mm -hmm. and dying yeah. and dying. You see? So it's like, yeah. it's like, for me, there's these stages. For example, some people might watch Muji and they're like, wow, Muji. I love Muji. It takes me to the space. It's all that. But then you still, they still come out of Muji's um, ashram or wherever they're watching Muji or anybody else. And then they go into the, the, the let's say, the, the dimension of, you know, collective uh, culture. And then you've got to know how to function in that space. So it's like, that's where I think it brings me back to what you said about authenticity. How do you show up in that space when everybody around you is going crazy, but you know you're not it? Yet at the same mm -hmm. time, when that person comes at you with their violence or their anger, their aggression, you're still having to feel that on the physical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. a, a little caveat of this sense of, you know, you are not it. And you are it simultaneously, you know, you are in it yeah. and, not, and not it at the same time. Integration. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really important. Um, so about the stories of like who we are, what we are. So our ideas, our deep core beliefs of who we are. Yeah, it's such an interesting question because it's like as you go deeper into, by the way, I didn't realize, amazingly enough, that you had, you, you've done some acting <laughs> yes. in your life. Yes. Yeah, so that's interesting and ties into this too. So um, anyway, we'll get that in a second. But there's, you start to go into deeper, who am I really? And then I have all these stories about myself and all these right. beliefs about myself. 
And so what I've discovered, um, and I, some other people have discovered, is that which of these stories are true and which of these stories are not true, right? Right. So what I've discovered is none of them are true. Right. They're all just stories. They're right. all just beliefs, right? Right. None of them are who I really am. So right. Like, then what do I do with that? Right? Right. What do I do with that? So now I'm authentic, but the next, the next level seems to be kind of what you're pointing out earlier, which is if none of these stories are true, then I have the potential to, if I'm really present and really aware and really here, to write my story, to create my narrative, not just mine, but ours as a collective. You know, ah, I love this. Potentially, yeah, potentially really exciting. Right. So that's that's a. Um, uh, thank you for that distinction. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So as you mm -hmm. you might know, I love I love Charles Eisenstein. Yeah, I'm like mm -hmm. I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm an advocate for the way he articulates himself and and this idea of the new story. So let's mm -hmm. I love this. Let's play here for a minute. Mm -hmm. Sure. So none of the stories are true. I love what you just said there. Right. So we know that I'm playing the mask right now of. Simon, who holds a retreat sent, uh, and takes people into nakedness, right? And then mm -hmm. you, 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 you invite people, in my understanding, into the big glow, the space beyond form, the space beyond mm -hmm. identity, the space where, you know, it doesn't matter. Everything's mm -hmm. just in that space. There's just glow, right? There's just this sense mm -hmm. of like, wow, bliss, here I am. Whatever. I don't even want to label it too much because then we're, right. we're, we're, we're But I do think boxing. your point's important, though. The integration is important, too. You, right. Not to fix, oh, I'm not the world. I'm not the body. You know, we want to right. bring it all together. Yeah. Right. We want to bring it all together. So, mm -hmm. so it's, like, it's like we take that step out, which is, which is really beautiful. And mm -hmm. it's a bit like uh, maybe I can describe it like this. I haven't done this. I don't know if you have. But many people have done um, ayahuasca, um, San Pedro. Um, 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 is it that one with the frog? Um, the yep. frog poison. People are doing all kinds of stuff right now. Right, right, right. So Cambo, yeah. they're doing all this stuff, right? DMT, yeah. right. So yeah. all, what they're doing is they're activating the natural pharmacy in the brain. Um, DMT is being, um, in the ayahuasca experience, is being um, releasing the DMT from the pineal gland. And then they're having these um, experiences, these you know, transcendental experiences, out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, similar, the same thing happens at near-death experiences. And then we're seeing the world, the, integra the, inter you know, the interconnection of all things, mother guy is speaking to them, they're getting told different things and they're realizing that, oh my God, the reality that as I'm looking at it is only one aspect of how I can view it, right? In a nutshell. Right. So, yep. yeah, so that can happen, as it has happened for me, I, I haven't taken this through meditation, through yep. awareness, through stripping away your identity, through going on retreat, through, through, through dissecting what you beautifully described the stories. So what or even from on, walking down the street, you know. For like even walking down the street, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, so what happens at any moment that these peak experiences happen or these, let's say, these altered ways of looking at reality uh -huh. happen, you are dissolving all your identities that you thought that you constructed about yourself. They die. Yep. They die. Yep. I love that saying called die before you die. Like, for example, in our retreat sometimes, Brian, you know, you go on this like psychological journey and then like at some point, all the stories have to die, right? And mm. then all that's left is laughter and softness. And this, I love, I'm going to keep using your word, big glow. This glow between the eyes, right, of people, mm -hmm. this softness. I know you know it. This softening yep. that takes place. And then there's just this like, ah, ah, right? So mm -hmm. then, then it's like, okay, what now? Right? What now? 
So then it comes back to what you just beautifully asked. What story do we want yes. to create from this place? Yeah. Right? That, yep. That's where it comes to. And so then, yep. and then, then I feel that you, right now, I'm just using this as an example, you and I have already made a decision to be part of that new story emerging. Yep. That, 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 that was a conscious decision that we made from our own awakening, no? Yep. That, so, I think you answered it beautifully, and that's how the two parts go together. Right. Like, it seems like they're two different things, right. but they're not. They're like actually two components of the same process, right. essentially. Right. Uh, which is really beautiful. Yeah, there's like this kind of the sense you get in that, you know, kind of like that soft glow. And it's like this moment where you're like, oh, everything is perfect. Everything. <laughs> like I get, I, I see how the reality of everything and it's all, everybody's me and I'm everybody. And it's all, it's all. It, and then it's like, and now what do I do? <laughs> here I am. I'm still here. Right. I'm right. like doing something. Right. You know? Oh, I'll, 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 I can create, I can help create the new story, right. you know? So it's like the two, it's like, I think a lot of times people can go like Byron Katie or things like this. And, you know, this idea of like, oh, story is bad. And, you know, you shouldn't have a story. But the idea of not having a story, I tell people, it's like kind of, I think you'll appreciate the humor in this is like, the idea of not having a story is itself a story and a really boring one. Right. You know? <laughs> right. So, I love that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, <laughs> You know, it's, you know, it's also like, all, like I, do this, I do a very similar thing. It's like, even in the moment, and I know you will love this too, even in the mm -hmm. moment that we even think, like the, the, the essence is, is laughing at you a little bit. And then when you realize that you can even drop that you needed to work something out, then yeah. all, that, all that falls away. And then yeah. just, you keep coming. It's almost like you have to keep tricking the intellect and the, the ego's identification. You have to keep tricking it to, so that it goes, oh, it thinks it's worked something out and then, oh, no, no, oh, there you go, you die too, mm -hmm. you die too. And you keep dying. But then in that dying, like as we know, something is born, right? Mm -hmm. so, so there has to be like, when one door closes, another opens. In that dying, like something wants to birth itself through you. So what I often say is that you let go you get yourself out of the way and then you let go of needing to be the one that thought it was in control anymore. And then when the controller dies, the, the persona of the controller, you, yep. sur you surrender to life force that wants to come through you. And then however it comes through you is absolutely divine. Because, right. and, and it was divine. It was, the irony is, the funny thing is, is it was divine anyway. Yeah, but we but but we had so much judgments and conditions and expectations and all this other stuff that we 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 didn't believe that that was divine, right? Yeah, and and there's this beautiful thing that I sometimes say. People go, well, yeah, say sometimes you say like nobody needs fixing and nothing needs healing and it's all just perfect. And then, yeah, I go, yeah, but it seems like a few things need fixing and healing before you can realize that nothing is fixing <laughs> and healing. <laughs> yeah, you know. But I think I think what you just said is really. Um, it's like, it's like such a beautiful summation of what, you know, my explorations of all these different, you know, great sages of all throughout history and cultures and times and the, the people that were, these religions have been modeled after. And like, they all really, when it gets down to it, I think we're trying to point at this same truth, which is exactly what you just said. It's like this little you that's trying to like control everything and make everything happen and fix everything. And this should be this way. And that shouldn't be this way. And, 
if you can just let that go right and open up right this other thing is going to take you over you can call right. it god you can call it allah you can call it whatever you want to call it right. you can call it nothing yeah uh, but this thing's going to take you over and yeah. that thing is really awesome and like yeah. just just be open and be available to that right that's all that any, anyone's ever really tried to say all this dogma all this stuff is unnecessary right you know right it's, it's yeah. so it's mm, let's just breathe in that a moment <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. And then the, 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 the big fun question is, well, how do I do that? Right? right. Which is such a, it's like, well, it's here now. Right. So. Which is what you, know, you also, which is what you also <laughs> share. It, no, but this is the, this yeah. is the, this is the, this is the real, we're playing, I love this now. We're playing yeah. the real funk, funky paradox, right? Because uh -huh. what happens is that this is another play and nothing actually has to be done. This exactly. is the beauty, right? Like when you yep. think about Maharashi and all these the different people that have pointed, mm -hmm. let's say, pointed the way, what did they mm -hmm. do? They were doing nothing, right? Mm -hmm. you, know, they, you know that people have gone to, I can't remember the guy that Ram Das went to and gave him a whole heap of um, 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 LSD and he just ate a load of LSD and it didn't even affect him. Was that Maharashi or was one of the, one of the, one of the, um, the, 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 the sages of... Uh, that Ram yeah, Ram Das, das is guru. I forget his name, but I know that. Right, story. right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. so the point is, what did he do? He sat on a table most days just smiling at people, right? Mm -hmm. And he had a tea towel over his, his penis, right? So the point <laughs> is, right, everyone went there and everyone was besotted by this guy. And I'm not saying he wasn't, he, I'm sure he was sharing some phenomenal wisdom. But the point is, is he looked them in the eyes and people were having profound shifts, yeah, they were having profound shifts. What were they, why were they having profound shifts? Because somebody was seeing them beyond all their masks. So in that moment of, of being truly seen by, like you said earlier, God, source, divine energy, whatever, you, everything else is gone. All your personas, all your masks, they fall away. You, you're truly seen. You're truly loved. You're by the beloved. You're truly felt. You're truly, everything is just, you are it. Like you said, I love how you described it. You're just there. Oh, my God. You see the interconnectedness of all things, mm -hmm. and there's just the divinity about it, mm -hmm. right? Now, that, that, you know, that's the grace of God, as some say, like just kissing you right there. As Rumi says, the beloved kissed me, you know, in, mm -hmm. every, in every moment. Or is it um, uh, also the um, Hafiz, the, the Sufi poet, you know? If you read any of his poetry, it's just talking constantly that, that every single moment, the beloved is showering you with love and kissing you and supporting you and nurturing you. You, you are it. It is you. You are completely, um, you know, what's the word? Um, um, ah, it's a lovely, um, ah, you know, when you're like, when you're nurtured and you're just like, you're embraced, basically. You're yeah. embraced. Yeah. yeah. So, so then, but I want to bring it back to then, as Eckhart Tolle talks about, there's a, there's a doing that arises from being. And maybe mm. this, is, this is a nice place to move into. I don't know how long we have mm. left because you wanted to take some questions, but there's a doing that arises from being. So one of the things that Dara and me always do, and today I was in my head and talking to you now, you've pulled me straight into the space, you know? It's beautiful. Um, is that 
don't create until you know you're in that state of being that that real here all is well I'm, i surrender and then ask the question what wants to birth through you how does god want to use you as a vessel yeah and then you create from being and that's a beautiful thing i mean again you different people talk in different ways neil donald walsh calls it move from have do be remember these three have do be people think they need to have everything have the hundred thousand pound have the girlfriend have the fast car have the spiritual master have the epiphany then they will do something and then they will be something but he flips it in his book and says be do have become it know that you're already it be it then from that state of being allow the doing to arise and then you receive all that you already are does that make sense Mm, yeah super powerful yeah yeah so it's really so, beautiful yeah that that that's the flip for me it's like am i really truly is this about simon getting more likes on youtube and and simon being seen as the superior one that knows something or am i just a vessel of unconditional love mm. yeah we promised we'd read christopher's question so let's yeah, let's yeah dive please. in how do you find the big glow the love been working on an absolute review of everything I thought I knew. I love that. And mm. now coming at it as a beginner all over again. And I'm cautious about what I spend my energy. So it's just a typo there, but spend my energy towards essentially. Grateful to be listening in on this conversation. So what's so interesting to me, you know, I want to hear your comments on it, about what he's saying is there's this one kind of there's this idea of people like people think that like, Oh, I'm kind of losing everything I thought I knew, or I'm starting over again, or I'm a beginner again, as if that's like a bad thing, you know, it's like, Oh, I kind of failed or I kind of like, but it's like the ego needs to fail. <laughs> the ego is going to lose. <laughs> the ego is going to lose and the divine is going to win, you know? And so there's nothing wrong with like, there's, that's like kind of grasping on or holding on, or I, I, I gotta like, I gotta find them. And the, and you can, as you go later into this, you know, first it's like the car and the girl and the, but later it's, it's like, Oh, the, the, the divine or the God, but still concepts, ideas, right. Right. You know? so even the idea of God, even the idea of the big glow, or even the idea of love, right. Still ideas, you know, right. L letting go of everything you thought you knew is perfect. Right. I mean, that's, that's it. Like, can yesterday my friend, we were driving and she was saying to me like, oh, you know, she's having a lovely, her own journey. She was like, ah, oh, you know, it's like, I don't know where I'm, I don't know where I'm going. I'm like, have you ever known? I said, I said, all I know is the unknown. <laughs> that's, that's it. I am. The unknown is where it's at. And this idea of failure for me, fail forward. Failure is beautiful it's only the way humans have described it as being a bad thing that makes us all feel depressed everything i've ever done i constantly fail all the time fail 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 love it fail forward <laughs> yeah really fail forward like you just said it's only the ego that fails in that essence of who you really are you could never be a failure even if you tried mm -hmm. so i love that question let me uh let me get i'm gonna get in a couple things with you before we before we part here, one is, uh, well, I'll just tell you what I, what I, I want to talk about, like, kind of where we are with, like, guru and spiritual teacher in that realm right now. 
Beautiful. I want to talk about what, what you're doing with like spirituality and sexuality. Yes. And there may be, a, oh, and, uh, and nudity and nakedness, right? Yes. So those, those three elements. So let's start with the guru spiritual teacher, right? There's like, there's this kind of shift that's happening that I think is really positive of, oh, this, this usually a man, occasionally a woman, this person has it all and they have, the, they have the divine and they're, they're enlightened and I'm not. And the only way I can get it is like through them. And, and I think there's been some trauma around that and there's been some, some difficulties for people around that. And through that process, there's this opening to something different that's emerging that's mm. not fully formed yet, but is healthy. And what I do see, I can say is it's like, I'm a human being and you're a human being and, um, perhaps within the us being two human beings, there's an invitation to something that I can be a mirror to you for mm. that's valuable to you. But it seems like we're opening to something that's more authentic yes. and more sincere and more genuine and is, is uh, potentially really powerful for people mm. in a way that's, that lets go of the, the facade, lets go of the sense of separation. Mm. See, you said earlier, you said something beautiful. You said that, well, we both said that we don't need to speak to each other if we come together. We could just hug each other and sit on the mm -hmm. side and we'd be fine, right? Yeah. But you, but you see how these conversations are vitally important. Because what mm. you've done by being on this conversation, you've enabled me to drop away the little personas and aspects of ego that have been holding on for me today. Mm. And I can drop into that bigger space. These conversations mm. are the very authentic tool that we have right now if we're willing to come together, as Krishnamurti said, and show mm. up, as show up as an invitation to let truth come through us. So not that I know more than you and you know more than me. Not that I'm, I'm more superior than you and you're more so superior than me. That we are in this together to, 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 to be the, let's say, the transmitters and receivers to show up and allow truth to arise uninvited. And this is a beautiful thing that I feel that these conversations, especially the ones you're, you're orchestrating, are an invitation. They're an invitation to, to look at what constructs we're holding up and then die. And I, I love what you said that the idea of the guru has to die because the, the idea of the guru is based on superiority that I know something you don't know and you need to do what I say in order to become that right. person so you know right. it. And that's just yeah. not the case anymore. The case, yeah. is that, the case is that we are all enlightened. The case is we are all divine beings. The case is we are all gods in the flesh. But that, mm. that, that is permeating across our consciousness. But to really hold that, like I sit with people and say, what does it feel like to, like you're God. What does that feel like? I mean, some people are like, no way. I'm not God. I'm not God. What do you mean? That's blasphemy. How, how, you can't call me God. It's like, so you don't believe that you're the divine expression of life force pulsating through every vein in your body that you are the very makeup of that which is in you, is in everything, is in the stars, is in all the things that ever existed. You're the same makeup that everything, that, that all the everything, everywhere. How do you not feel that you're, you are God? You're an aspect of an expression of that same force. What are you then? You know? And they're like, no, I don't want to call myself God. And it's like, exactly. Why? Because God's got a big story about it, right? God created everything. And you don't believe that you created everything, right? And it's like, so it's a real, it's a real big dance into this, this idea of, of, of accepting, first and foremost, that, that I could even call myself an aspect of something that's been put in our society as being so grand, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's first and foremost a big step. 
so the, so so the this idea of even calling each other um divine yeah like you know that's why we put these scholars and seers and gurus on the pedestal right because they they must what did they do they must have studied more and what they got kissed by god but we didn't why 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 why, why did they why did they get kissed by god and we didn't you see what i mean you have to start asking these bigger questions of like so what do they know that we don't? What did they study that we don't? Who did they hang out that we did? Why did the epiphany hit them and not us? I, don't, I mean, I'm, listen, I'm a council estate boy grown up as a criminal with, a, with single parent, domestic, domestic violence environments, and God kissed me. So what about it? I'm just getting an insight to what you're sharing that I think is really powerful. It's almost like, and that's another thing I think needs to be shifted. Like people will say they're kind of, you like humor as much as I do. So people will say, like, I had my awakening in 1986. And, you know, it's like, well, what does that do for me now? It's 2019 you know, or 2018, <laughs> right? But it's like, but that's a narrative people write, the story of, like, let me tell you how great I am. All things happened to me. But right. what I think is really fascinating, what you're, think, what you're talking about is I was kissed by God. But it's more like I'm kissed by God now and now and now, exactly. right? Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. It's not like Always. you've attained something or you've accomplished something or you, you, you have some medal to show everybody. It's, it's more like you're just available to God in this moment. And that's all you can do. That's all there is. That's, right. So that's all. If there is someone that's an awakened being, whoever you want to imagine in your mind of who that is, that's all they're doing. Is there, There's no like they're not carrying something from the past. They're just available in this moment. Exactly. And there's no guarantee of the next moment. Right. And that's and what's it, so beautiful about it. Yeah. And isn't that so beautiful? That means when you hear that saying that we are already all enlightened, we're already awakened, everyone, right? The only difference is, is as Rumi said again, I quote Rumi again, is the only thing that has to die is the barriers that you've held up to love. When he talks yes. about the barriers to love is exactly what you just described is the baggage. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm saying that enlightenment means this. How light are you as in weightless? Yeah. When, you, when you see certain gurus and certain, um, uh, like you just said, seers or so-called awakened beings, there's a, there's, a, there's a draw towards them because there's a lightness in them. Yeah? Mm -hmm. They're not just light as in the big glow. There's also the big glow, but there's a lightness. And guess what? That can change from them moment to moment. You hear it all the time. Oh, all of a sudden, the so-called person who was the guru is now molested one of his disciples. Right. right? Right. Or right. did you see that? Did you see that documentary about Osho, um, the wild, wild country? Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I know I've heard a lot right. about it. So, so, friends, so yeah. this, this, this idea of the wild, wild country, everybody knows that Osho was tapped in and plugged in at times. And then mm -hmm. there's, then there's moments where crumbs, if, if, if everything happened the way it happened in that documentary, then clearly he wasn't necessarily, in my opinion, so tapped in some days. Right? <laughs> well, that, well, that kind of leads to the other important point of this. Is like we have some kind of a desire to uh, like kind of deify people. There's something in us. It goes back to like Jesus, you know, the, the, he's the savior and we're not the savior. And all this right. thing about there's something in us that wants to make this person the perfect being and we're not the perfect being. Right. Right. So we have some need for that. But what happens is you deify the person. So this, this is the standard way it works. You deify the person, then you discover something about them that's not what you thought, and then you demonize yeah. the person. Then they're yes. like the worst person ever, right? Yes. But in actuality, they're neither of those things. Yes. Right? 
because that is story. Really, they have some really good things to share. They have some yeah. good insights, and yeah. they made some mistakes. Yes. and they're human, and that's who they yes. are. So yes. that's what I'm seeing more that we, we're going to open to. This beautiful. kind of more like, yeah, mature way of relating to each other, you know? Beautiful, beautiful. And I want to mm -hmm. speak to that because it's so mm -hmm. rich. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I love us to, like, encapsulate that. How beautiful is mm -hmm. that? So all of a sudden, we start to realize that the divine is everywhere. In all beings, at all times. And that's why you can speak to a two-year-old. The divine is in the, the children constantly. You can look at them and they just spur out wisdom. But you don't, go, you don't go and bow at their feet and go, Oh, Holy One Guru, thank you for that wisdom. You know, because they're supposedly children. How could they be enlightened beings? Some children I speak to are more enlightened than anyone I see on the planet. Right? So the point is, is can we, again, I don't know if it was Rumi or it was a Sufi. Or I, like, can you see everybody? As a divine, you said it earlier, a divine mirror, a divine reflection of that beauty, of that wonder, of that awe. I mean everyone. That's when you have the eyes of God, the eyes of love. That's unconditional love. But at the moment, what we're seeing in the world is constant judgment, expectation, and conditional love. So I'm constantly practicing, Brian, how can I soften, open, and open? You said it earlier, open and open, and open. My practice is to open constantly. Some days I close. Some days the pain body has me gripped. Some days I'm judging. Some days I'm beating myself up. And then, like you just said, other days, boom. I'm like, oh my God, it's wonder. It's joy. It's joy. Mm -hmm. Everything's magnificent. So it's like, it's that, I think that's the transition, no? Would you agree? Like they, yeah. the, actual, the transition is moving through that on a collective level. And I think the fact that you're authentic about that and you share that in an authentic way is, is really valuable for people as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, kind of the old way of like, I'm just going to project, you know, this kind of this, whatever the, you know, wear these clothes and whatever and project it. Everyone's trying to be the same thing, this cookie cutter image of the guru, you know, right. and we're really, we're really opening now, I feel like to this diversity of all of us with our unique expression of who we are, including um, if we have challenges or if we make mistakes, like, yeah, that's, 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 that's beautiful. You know, the authenticity is what's beautiful. Yes. It's not just yes. trying to be, trying to be the image of something, whatever that image is supposed to be. And, um, and I'm going to, I'm getting excited again. You pumped me up. It's, look, look at this. Authenticity is the awakening that's emerging. If we're talking about an awakened, yes. loom, an, if we're talking about an awakened, illumined civilization, then, yep. it, then, then it stands to reason that it can't just be a few gurus that are supposedly the illumined ones. When we, yep. realize, when we realize our natural state of being is the illumined ones, then all of a sudden our behaviors and everything about us change anyway. We start to create a civilization, or as we said earlier, a new story of awakened beings who are not trying to attain anything, but are actually owning their presence in this moment as an expression of life force and willing to make conscious decisions from that space. I mean, just that, just giving people the power to actually embrace that responsibility, that, that, that plugs you into the ordinariness or the extraordinariness of life. The ordinariness, again, many, many seers are pointed to this. When you can be in the ordinariness of life, chop wood, carry water. What happens after awakening, enlightenment? Chop wood, carry water and go for a poo. And sometimes, <laughs> and, and sometimes you get poo on your finger. I get poo on my finger. I don't like it so much. You know, it's like some days the paper splits. This happens, right? It's like you've got you to own your shit. 
and it's like for me it's like we i don't know that's authenticity for me the whole the whole messy beautiful unfolding of it all isn't that rich uh yeah. let's talk about let's let's move that into sex <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking maybe we'll title this one "Getting Poo on Your Finger." It's <laughs> like the bubbles in the bathtub. <laughs> bathtub, yeah, bathtub love to poo on your finger. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it is a really good gateway in, into sex because um, th- this non-dual realization, right? Like for me, like what I can realize is it, non-dual means not two, which really means it includes everything, which means it leaves nothing out. So this is the other big shift that I'm feeling and I'm, you know, interested in people like you that are exploring this and sharing with people is there's a sense of like the old way of the religion is like, well, this is holy. This is not holy. This is good. This is bad. This is, um, this is a sin. This is not a sin. Um, sin needs to miss the mark, right? So it could be possible to miss the mark, but, but there's something about this awakening, which there's just no choice, but to embrace what's here what to love all that is to love everything that's here and what isn't in in this moment and so i think a big opening is all this shame and guilt and repression and suppression around sexual energy like what's the deal with that like why is that Uh, associated with awakened life or with spirituality or with god mm, listen brian you know i i always tell you i love speaking to you we i would I, I want to do a series just on, um, just on sexuality because mm-hmm. what has happened, well, I think I've got low pow- power mode on. If we get cut off, my battery might go, okay? So just bear in mind. But let's just dive into here a little bit. On this journey into self, I've been taken through my inquiry like you. I do my inquiry. I check out people and listen to them. And of course, I went on this inquiry of what is truth, what is love, and it's so beautiful. In the last six months, it's led me to my genitals, right? The awakening has led me to my genitals. And let me bring that into context. You just said some key words there, shame and guilt, the taboos of our time. Why is sex such a taboo in our culture and society? Because an awakened species would not accept the invisible prison and this amount of suffering and fear that we have endured, right? But how do you cultivate life force energy? How do you activate God energy? How do you connect to the pure essence of, let's say, God, spirit, whatever you want to call it, source? Through your genital generators, which are your genitals, which activate the life force in your whole body. Your whole body is this pulsating electromagnetic field, which can be, um, can be cultivated. Prana can be cultivated. Energy can be cultivated with our genitals, but not by constantly ejaculating, not by constantly looking for another mate to have sex with and lose our energy, not by going out there in the world, getting drunk and looking for love in all the wrong places, by coming back to real self-love. Now, I was not masturbating, Brian, for years, years. And I tell you why, because I, I, I had the story, and it's a valid story, The masturbation was dirty. There was a lot of shame and guilt around it. And I thought that I need a woman if I want to have sex. And if I have a woman, then I'm a man because I pulled a woman and I get a woman to play with my penis because that's the way I, I, I like it. And if I thought about men masturbating or watching porn and all that, there was a lot of seediness around that, a lot of darkness, a lot of unconsciousness. And I grew, again, I grew up in that world where men would 
uh, uh, put down women. And I had a competition going with a man of how many women I can F-U-C-K. I use them words with, um, I use them words in that way just to show you the level it was. It wasn't like how many women can I connect with, honor and cultivate love with. It was how many women can I somehow just have sex with to put a notch on my bedpost, okay? So I know the depths of that aspect of sexuality. Now, studying sexological body work and going into what real self-love is about inclusion of the genitals. That, that's, we, we talk about wholeness, and most people don't include their genitals as part of the whole body, mind, body, spirit, body, mind, right? So now, this act, I, I'm realizing, and of course, maybe Tantra and some other aspects have spoke about this, I'm realizing that the activation, the real, um, let's say, I call it the, the, the holy grail was always hidden in our pants, but we've been looking outside of ourselves for everywhere else, right? So, mm. so this idea of coming back, l let me tell you what's been happening. Through orgasmic yoga, which is a self-loving practice that includes the genitals and invites people through a number of choreographies to explore their life force energy and their genitals, Brian, you would not believe the transformation that people have been ha having by facing their shame and their guilt and their uh, self-hatred and self-violence around sexuality and their genitals and the liberation they've been having, not by a guru, not by anybody outside of themselves, the liberation they've been having just by bringing loving intention into their genitals. It doesn't mean they wank all the day, every day. It doesn't mean they get, stick on porn and start going for the quick fix clitoral stimulation or penis ejaculation. They are loving their genitals with clear intention and focus, where focus goes, energy flows. And Brian, full-on transformational. It's blowing my mind. I think you just blew my mind. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, take, let's take that in for a moment. Take a breath on that. Yeah, I think you said a lot that's really, really powerful. There's, there's a couple important distinctions. I think it's... To me, what I hear you saying is getting in touch with the sexual energy within yourself, getting in touch with the sexual energy, moving through your genitals with the first chakra, with the second chakra, and accessing that, for me, from my experience, reflecting back my experience, it's just this, this energy that opens up that's so powerful and, and so healing and almost, like, astonishing of, like, why, why are we doing this thing to ourselves, you know? <laughs> why have we been doing this thing to ourselves of, like, keeping this energy down and bottled up and repressed? And I guess like looking at it now, I can get that there's a sense of, well, it's so powerful that it could be dangerous, that I could just like lose my conscience. I could just like, I could just like lose my sense of what I'm doing with it or what happened. But that's not a reason to repress the energy. I think it's, it's, it's awakening to awakening to this energy and remaining conscious and intentional and flowing with the energy. And it's also such a tremendous opening to what we talked about before, which is so funny, the, the, the opening to go beyond the ego, to go beyond the, the small self. It opens right. up to this, this right. letting go of control, letting go of control, letting go of control. I want to control, I want control. But when right. you're in the height of sexual ecstasy, you don't have control. Right. And that's actually exactly where you want to be. Right. You know, and that's, you know, yeah. that's the opening. And then if you can just equate that, if someone could reflect to you or tell you, hey, that experience that you had, that's actually God. That's mm. actually, that's like an opening to like the essence of who you really are. If someone can like, you know, or you can do it yourself. Just connect that together. That that's its own practice. That's its own form of ecstatic meditation. Right. You know, that's, yeah, it's, it's, right. it's amazing. Right. This, is, this is profound. Hold that thought. Beautiful. Could, could you do me a 
big favor. My battery is going to go dead. Upstairs, I have the, um, a charger and ask Dara for the black adapter that I can plug in to charge this while I'm on the call. Do you mind? Thank you so much. Um, so listen, we can, I'd love to do another talk on this sometime with you because this is a, new, a whole new um, uh, realization, let's say, that came to me in uh, four and a half months ago when I started doing this, um, this study of the sexological bodywork. Now, what I realized exactly what you just said is that when we, when we actually ejaculate and we orgasm, we have that moment which the French call the mini death. Have you heard about it? Yeah. It's, yep. it's called yep. the mini death. Absolutely. So what happens is in that moment, just for a split second, we die, right? There's a sense of complete freedom and liberation. But then what happens is, of course, the mind comes back in and we start like playing out the stories again and whatever, we feel guilt, we feel shame or whatever comes up. But so what happens is actually I've started to realize that most of our society, most of our culture is a deep yearning for sexual expression and sexual liberation. But because it's so being, as you described, suppressed down, it's become so distorted. Because remember energy, you can't kill energy. You can only change form of energy. Energy can only change form. So that energy that's not been able to be expressed and loved, and, and you said it as well, the ecstatic manifestation of this be beautiful ecstasy, right? That can flow through us. That godlike energy that can flow through us. That's been suppressed. And then it comes out and all these random spurts out of like, oh, I just designed teapots for the next 20 years. Yeah, beautiful, colorful teapots that I will sell at random art fairs. Really, what they want to do is make love, right? But what they're doing is they're, they're expressing <laughs> their life force. They're expressing their life force in that way. And what we're doing is we're, we're all expressing our life force anyway but it's coming out in these distorted ways of confusion and uncertainty. And like, is this, is this really what I want? And you know what I'm realizing? 21 days. And I don't, you don't have to do 21 days. I've been doing many more, but like just take 21 days to go on this orgasmic yoga exploration of looking at these choreographies and coming back to touching yourself. And Brian, when I say touching yourself, spend three hours exploring your arm. Like, how does your arm like to be touched? What pleasure can you obtain from your arm, right? It's like you start to explore your body in such a, thank you so much, such a self-loving way. Yeah, could you bring that over? Such a self-loving way that we, it's taking self-love to a whole nother level, to the point where you can cultivate life force, right? Life force energy, prana, and you start to send it around the world like metal. Yes. Yeah? Yep. You send yep. it around the world. Yep. So what happens is you're not just having sex anymore just for your personal gain of ejaculation and masturbation in the corner and then thinking, oh, yeah, I feel great now. Oh, I feel guilty. Or should I have stayed in for the last hour playing with my penis? No. You are shifting into actually I can, trans I can align all my chakras through my life force, through my breath, through my energy, through breath, sound and movement. Then I become, I activate my, um, my uh, crown chakra through my life force prana. I plug in my electromagnetic field. So I become this generator of life force. And guess what? I walk as a highly illumined being on this planet, as, a, as, a, as you like to say, as being the change. Fully sexually embodied, plugged in, godlike electromagnetic force. That for me is what our genitals are capable of. That's for me what our gen genitals are actually for. But that prana life force has been actually sucked out of us. And people are walking around the planet, Brian, dead. It's like dead yep. people walking. 
Yep. There's no vital force in them. I'm getting yep. super excited. Sorry, I'm sexually pumped up. <laughs> no, I think that I think that it's it's right on, and it's it's something that you don't hear. I don't hear it. I don't hear it on you know. We have Fox News here and CNN, and you know I don't hear it on the news media. <laughs> that you hear it on the Big Glow podcast. You know, in fact, it's interesting because you do hear it on the Big Glow podcast. That is true. <laughs> um, but what's interesting is like I was thinking about the media and how you have like this this guy and he's here and today on the news, you know, this person was murdered, <laughs> but there's no sexual energy in, in the, in this, this, there's this whole thing that like sexual energy is not professional, right? right. Sexual energy is not professional. Right. So if you even bring that into the workplace, yeah. you know, that's a major no, no, don't bring yeah. any sexual energy into the workplace. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of conditioned that leave that, like you said, you know, like, don't, don't touch yourself there, touch yourself. Yeah. There, but not, so like, don't bring that into the workplace. Don't bring that into school. Don't bring yeah. that into. Yeah. But there's got to be a way where like you can be your full self. Yes. And there's there's something that's I don't even know how to say it. Like it's there's something that people feel afraid of. Obviously, people feel afraid about sexuality. There's sometimes yes. a sense of like something bad's going to happen. I'm going to be I'm going to be violated. I'm going to be I, I'm yes. going to lose control or something. You yes. Know? But there's got to be a way that we can embrace this energy and be an energy of love, yes. not an energy of fear. And I yes. think to be totally honest and authentic, there is a certain, there is a certain element of danger in yes. sexuality, but yes. I've learned to embrace that, right? So in break, and, and the only thing that's like danger is really, I don't know what's gonna happen, <clears throat> yeah. right? But that's also where the ecstasy is. That's also, and it becomes a metaphor for life. Like just walking down the street is dangerous. I don't know what's gonna happen. Right. Something bad could happen. But something amazing could happen. Right. Right? Yes. And I had yes. this, and the last point I want to make on this, and I'd love to hear your reflection, is like I had um, Sophia Sundari on here, Luwaga, who's a, who's a spiritual teacher, or a tantra teacher. Really, really respect her. Really great stuff that she shares. So I asked her, you know, basic question that I thought would be interesting to people. What makes great sex? Right? So she said, which the answer I absolutely loved. She said, the first thing, the most important, is forget everything you know nice right and like Beautiful. that's the metaphor like that you bring that practice in with your lover or with yourself yes and that's the way to live your life like yes that's the, the 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 sexual practice becomes the spiritual practice yeah i love it you could call our talk that today <laughs> forget everything you know that is exactly yeah. that is exactly what this sexual practice has brought to my world it literally has brought a whole what it was that what it's done for me it's like the icing on the cake. Like I was on this journey of self-love and sharing self-love and, 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 you know, dying and, and feeling this love. And then there was something missing for me. And, and I realized it. I hadn't include my genitals or my rosebud, which is my anus. I hadn't include these areas of my body for exploration and self-love. There, there was a door up against them. And now I'm using them to cultivate life force energy and to share that life force energy through myself, through my work, through, through into the world. And I'm making a conscious decision to cultivate love. So even when I make love with my partner, we don't make love like, let's say, we go into it now with an intention to cultivate life force. So like you just said, lose everything you think you know. There's no expectations to outcome. There's you're not no trying goal. to, you're not, no goal. You're not trying to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. But what's so beautiful, what you described, is that what we're having to move through, and this is actually part of 
let's say, a wave of conversations and people can share is the deep-rooted fear about tapping into your sexual power, right? There's yeah. this fear. There's a fear of, like, who am I sexually embodied? You don't know. I'm saying this to your viewers now because I know I yes. do. You don't know yes. yourself in your sexually embodied, embodied way. And there's so much fear that you're going to maybe become... Uh, overpowering or too sexual or want to be have sex all the time or or that people are going to call you a whore or a slut or a male prostitute or a gigolo or or you're you're um you're going into the sinners world you know sex is sinners you know it's like there's so much fear and old stories of of um separation and dysfunction and shame and guilt around our sexual genitals that i'm 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 just I'm going for me. I love to go into the taboos, Brian. And for me, there w it wouldn't be a taboo if there wasn't power and treasure in there for us. So for me, it's like we have to go into and explore the innate wisdom of our body. And we can do that with the use and power of our genitals. As I said earlier, genital generators. There's a plus and a minus in us. We are, electric, we are electricity, we are pulsating electromagnetic fields. Yeah, and we really, we really, 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 if we can be willing to go into sexuality and explore it, like study it, go in there, bring our awareness to it, ask questions, touch yourself and ask questions, find your own wisdom through your body. And I really, I can guarantee from the feedback that I've had from the, the, the recent 21 days of orgasmic yoga we did, that you will uncover profound shifts in yourself and in your, uh, the way you show up in life, in all your relationships. Powerful, Brian. It's so powerful. Yeah, and I just want to say, I just say this with the orgasmic yoga, is that people say yoga, <clears throat> now we've got orgasmic yoga, right? And it's like, yoga means union, and yoga means daily practice. So when we bring awareness to daily practice, in a sense of cultivating love. When we do what I say all the time is the golden hour. So in the morning, before you turn on your mobile phone or you turn on email or anything, you have the golden hour. That's your hour. I have golden three hours sometimes now, but this golden hour. That's your time. It's time to cultivate. It's time for self-love. It's time for dying. You die before you enter the day. And you, you do the practices that you need to cultivate real love to tap into the big love, the big glow. <clears throat> if you do that on a regular basis and you set an intention and stick to that clear intention and give yourself a choreography or two around um, being able to touch yourself and explore yourself and, and be with your body and then, and then end that in meditation, five, ten minutes of meditation just to allow the integration of the brain and the body, mm. you will notice profound shifts in the way that you engage and the way you view life, really. That's just a stepping stone. So that's one thing that we, me and Dara do now and that I'm taking away from the sexological bodywork training and I'm sharing with the world is this practice of real uh, exploring the pleasure potential of your body and freeing your innermost wounds, shame and guilt and all of that stuff that's kept us suppressed and using our genitals to be the access point to that freedom and liberation. And that, I feel, is why our genitals have been given so much, um, yeah, so much what, suppression. Mm. What is your view on uh, pornography as an aid 
to masturbation. A lot of people have been asking, people have different views on that that I've been connected with. And people have been, a couple, somebody asked me a question about that the other day. Yeah, so it's beautiful. Wanna... Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, <clears throat> so there's a choreography in the orgasmic yoga about conscious mind. So this is all about mindful masturbation. Mm -hmm. So the key with pornography is if you're addicted to pornography or you need pornography to get sensation, to get, to get an experience, no point telling somebody just to not do use pornography because mm -hmm. they, they, that, that, that will be, that will go against the very thing that they've been doing for mm -hmm. years. But you use pornography with a sense of mindfulness and awareness to support you and to ask what's underneath your reason for needing pornography. So for example, mm. if you use pornography and you always sit down and you masturbate while sitting down watching the television, in this choreography, you're invited to stand up and you're invited to watch pornography while standing up and, and, and holding your genitals, for example, and exploring that, but not doing the same pattern that you've done over and over again whilst watching pornography. Mm. And then there's a way of using pornography to get yourself off of pornography so you can start to access self-pleasure without the need of any fantasy or any outside um, stimulation like pornography or, or anything. Mm -hmm. So it's like there's a process of making sure that you're the one that chooses pornography as a way to take yourself into cultivation of love and weaning yourself off pornography so pornography is not the thing in control, controlling the only way you can get pleasure or need to see uh, other women or men is through pornography. Does that make sense? So, yeah. so I don't use pornography and I, I've rarely ever used pornography. But when I was younger, I used it a little bit. But I know a lot of people, a lot of men I meet use pornography on a regular basis, like daily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what I do now is I work with, I, I work in the conversation to get them to explore what's underneath their need for pornography. And also, mm -hmm. also we explore the core erotic theme of an individual. So there's an amazing mm. book called The Erotic Mind. And this book I, I recommend to everybody. And when you explore your core erotic theme, yeah, what happens is you start to look at your patterns of youth of about what really turned you on, what was your erotic experiences, and then core erotic themes of, of what has driven your whole sexual journey into life. Mm -hmm. And when you uncover those core erotic themes, you can start to rewire the blueprint of your, your, your sexual eroticism, and you can change and understand why you've been doing them. So for example, one of mine was, I, I needed fear and excitement because I cheated on a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, partners, and I needed this excitement of doing something wrong in my core erotic theme. My first ex sexual experience was with, with a prostitute in um, Amsterdam. And so I slept with about 45, maybe 50 or more, I, I lost count of, um, I paid for sex some in Amsterdam, some in Thailand. And like my thing was always around doing something wrong, doing something naughty, yeah? So what yeah. happened when I realized that recently, I, I, I could see the whole reason of, of my sexual desires and how they, they led me on my path. And then I've actually rewired them now anyway before, but like this was such an insight to realize of this type of sex that I was seeking. That's just one example. So you need to go underneath of what the porn is really, where it's deriving from, why, it's, why yeah. you need it. What's your intention? What's your, what's your reason? Yeah. Hold um, that foot, that foot, Brian. I need to Can you hear me still? Yeah. Yeah. Wait there, let me see if this works. Um...
There's a lot of there's feedback, a lot of feedback there. there. Now there's the there's echo, the thing, echo again. thing again. Right there. This might not work. We can try. A lot of feedback. Lot of feedback. Echo. What welcome about Jane. now? Welcome, Robin. Welcome, Goria. Welcome, Sadiq. Welcome, Gata. Um, I think this is good right now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I know you're going to finish yeah. off soon, but go on. There's, I don't know if we got lost there, but I hope that No, this, we're good. Uh, we're good. Yeah, cool. Yeah, no, I have an interesting take on this, and Robin joined us, and Robin is, uh, asked me this question yesterday about pornography, so it's perfect. That's synchronistic that she, that she joined in. Um, I think that, obviously, addiction is bad to anything, right? Whatever it is, is, is a bad thing. But I would say, from my personal experience, my personal journey, there's something about you know, I kind of, I kind of approach things as kind of like a scientist or right? like an anthropologist, right? Or, but there's something about like watching people make love yes. that was actually very illuminating for me on my spiritual yeah. path, let alone yes. sexual path. I learned a lot sexually, but actually from spiritual awakening, that was because I was able to observe people in that very state that we're talking about. Yes. Right now, pornography is a large, that's a big word. So obviously there's a lot of things that aren't in the category I'm talking about, but there is some really beautiful erotic um, expressions, you yes. know, of, of people in this genuine, authentic state of orgasm that I found very, very powerful and very healing and very transformative and brought me into an ecstatic state that opened me up to a sense of, oh, this is, this is, this is God, this is spirit, this is essence. And, and it's interesting because I don't hear people talking about that, you know, but it's, but it's, a, it was a true thing for me. Yeah. And maybe there's Beautiful. someone out, there's someone else out there that, you know, feels like they're having this feeling and they have shame around it or they have guilt around it. And so I think it's, it's, it's a good subject to like bring up and talk openly about. Yeah, and the, I, I, was, um, I went to a festival recently called the Art of Sex Festival. And mm -hmm. um, it was all about uh, sex positive. Sex positive, uh, this sort of wave of uh, positive sex coming into our, let's say our, um, our environments. And mm -hmm. I met a man there and he was talking also about porn and he, and when he was younger, he had an addiction around porn and many people yeah. met this. Do you know how many people, so many people are addicted to porn, but won't ever, won't ever say, they won't say it's such a, such a hidden thing. So many people, you wouldn't even believe, um, watch porn on a, on a daily, on a regular basis. Let's say regular basis, not daily basis, but regular basis. So in this, when we was having this talk, he said that, something shifted for him a little bit in his own awakening. And he started to like explore himself sexually. And, and then he started to look at pornography from a different place. So he could see what it was about. And he could also see the people that were doing it. And he sort of put himself into their shoes and started to like try to find empathy of what, what, what has been dri driving them and what's their purpose and what's their reasons for doing it. And not to just judge it as just wrong, damn right wrong, and that it, shouldn't be, it should never be there. But actually, what can, he, what can he derive from it? A bit like what you're saying, from a sense of, of let's say, more um, looking at these things from a divine perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he wanted, yeah. To, he, he wanted to see what was the learning in it for him. Because we were having this like 20 minute conversation about this. And he was saying that, wow, he goes, what happened for him is he dropped, he dropped this sense of judging it just as wrong and dirty and everybody that's doing it is wrong in some way and, and you know, pedophiles or sex addicts or, mm -hmm. you know, that he dropped all of that. And that mm -hmm. was his liberation. It doesn't, mm -hmm. mean that, it doesn't mean that he's now watching porn all the time, but his liberation right. was, was, was actually dropping all of this 
story and judgment around what it really is without actually exploring it for himself and seeing what is there for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was a big shift. Um, now, of course, I'm not t telling everybody to go and use pornography or, or watch porn because like you said, it can be deeply, um, deeply addictive. Yeah. But what I found mm -hmm. with this experience of masturbation or self-pleasuring is that when you start to really love yourself fully and you start to come back to your own genitals and you start to fill yourself up without the need of needing a partner or needing porn or anything, you start to realize that these, these things fall away. These, these needs for these addictions fall away. So then you start to actually realize that, oh, if you did want to watch a bit of porn with a clear intention that that's what you wanted to do for whatever reason, it doesn't have the same um, uh, stickiness, the same gravitas, the same feelings of shame yeah. and guilt. Yeah. So no, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Like we, we, you know, it's really fascinating. You know, we, it's open. It's like, you know, there's such a openness to watch people be kicked or punched or shot or stabbed yeah. or blown up or have their heads chopped off. I mean, every, every, almost every movie I turn on now, there's like people being killed in the first couple of minutes or tortured right. or right. beaten. But to have people in an ecstatic state of lovemaking, no, no, yeah. that's, that's a bad thing to watch. That's, right. you, know, you can't watch that. Right. So I, I'm, I'm following some of the comments. I understand that there's a variety of, you know, there's people that there's porn that's abusive and I, I get all of that. Um, but I'm talking about two people who are in a state of, ex let's not even, let's just, let's say maybe they're not, um, I don't know, love is a tricky word. So let's just put that aside. Let's just say they're in a state of ecstasy together, right? right? Do you feel shame in that? Do you feel guilt arising in that? Do you feel uncomfortable in that energy? It's really, it's a great meditation for us to look at, you know, yeah. and like exactly what you're talking about. And I, I think like the other thing that I felt you saying that I think is really exciting is like, I'm getting like this new form of meditation coming from you. Yes. I mean, I was thinking about it earlier too, but you're, you're kind of refining it more of like um, masturbation meditation, right? Yes. It's like, it's yes. like a new form of meditation that includes yes. all the chakras and opens yes. you up to this deep essence of yourself and the power that opens up within you. Yeah, my, yeah, exactly. And most of the, uh, the orgasmic yoga I've done, I've never, um, I've eject out of the maybe 23, 30 foot. I'd, I've done about 60, let's say 60, um, 60 sessions, yeah, of this mm -hmm. choreography going in to do orgasmic yoga where I include the genitals. And when I say include the genitals, sometimes in some of the sessions, I haven't touched my genitals, but I've brought breath, sound, and movement to the genitals and I've mm -hmm. moved the body and the genitals and had, I've had orgasmic energy moving around my whole body and I haven't touched my genitals. Right. That's, this is the most powerful tool. Yeah. And then what's happened at times I have touched my genitals and I've cultivated the energy. Then through deep breathing, intentional breathing, brought that energy up, moved it around my whole body and my whole body has felt orgasmic tingling and sensations. And then when I touch myself from that place, I'm like this orgasmic state. My whole body is orgasmic. I can just start to explore anywhere. You know, my eyebrows, my face. You just spend time exploring your body in that orgasmic state. No ejaculation has happened. I'm not there just masturbating, friction hunting for my penis. I'm exploring my whole body as a genital. And then, you're, you're going to love this because I know you love meditation. Not only do you drop into a state of trance, at times, not always, but you know, it's like at times, you drop into this state of trance, then what happens is that when you come out of that at the end and you come into the silence, the meditation, 
you sit in the silent meditation and you're just like fully, fully um, um, in a sense of peace. A little bit like after making love. Yeah, you know, yeah. When you, you know that sense yeah. of like, like you've really like nurtured yourself. Yeah. You've really caressed yourself. You don't need anything else. You don't need a partner. You don't need anything. You sit there and there's this real sense of like, just peacefulness, wholeness. There's this, this sense of like, you know what? I don't, and then with my partner, for example, one of your friends just asked if I have a, if I'm in a loving- Do you have a happy romantic relationship with yes. anyone? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm in a five year relationship with a beautiful woman called Dara. And um, she does orgasmic yoga too. And um, yes, we have a beautiful um, relationship built on authenticity and trust and, and um, it's phenomenal. We're not talking about that right now, but it's phenomenal. And if you want to learn more about that, go to darasimon.com and you'll see more about the work we do in the world together and, and how we share that. So thank you for asking though, whoever that was. Um, um, so basically is, Sorry, I got distracted by the, the, quest, the, the questions popping up. But so basically what happens, where, where was, I was with the meditation at the end, weren't I? I got lost. <laughs> it's, a lot, it's a lot going on right now between <laughs> pornography and enlightenment and <laughs> masturbation and psychological work and romantic partners and, Whoa. and but we, if anybody can bring it all together, it's you and I. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever tried to cover all this territory before in a podcast. I love it so much. I love you so uh, much for bringing it up. So all I can say, oh, that was what I wanted to say. So the neediness, and even in my relationship of five years with Dharma, I noticed, Brian, what was coming up. Even though we meditate daily and we do our practices and we share this with the world and we go on these journeys and blah, 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 we're dying all the time. I was noticing that I still have an expectation at times of Dara to fulfill certain needs of mine, sexual needs, right? And what happened? The orgasmic yoga completely eradicated those. So what happened is that I was taking care of my needs now, my self-loving physical needs, right? And then my relationship became healthier because I was no longer having this expectation that Dara has to somehow fulfill me or have expectations on her to perform a certain way or do anything because we have a very healthy lovemaking practice where we want to bring more meditative um, energy to it. We do tantric practices and soft entry and a whole heap of beautiful practices, but still we can fall into these old ways of being without intimacy, right? So what mm -hmm. happened is that through bringing this real self-love in, now of course meditation, writing practices, going for a run, going to the gym, you know, um, walking your dog, looking at nature, all of these are self-loving practices. But we often miss spending long periods of time with ourselves and our genitals. I have done a survey and many other people have done a survey where most people's masturbation practices are three to five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. Most of them are quick stimulation of mostly for women, often the clitoral stimulation. For men, it's uh, fast ejaculate, uh, uh, fast wanking friction orientated and then ejaculating and just having the experience of that momentary um, release of the um, orgasm or in men's case ejaculation because not all men orgasm when they ejaculate so so this shows us that nobody's really spending any real quality time making love to themselves 
And yet we're going out there in the world expecting the people we fall in love with and our partners to know how to make love to us. Yet we've never explored our bodies to find out what we actually like and how we like to um, receive pleasure. So, so this moves into the wheel of consent, which I would love to talk to you one another time about the wheel of consent, because this moves into also um, knowing how to communicate and ask for what we really need when we're with a partner. And this makes all of our relationships healthy. I want to, I want to take this to the youth. I want to take this to teenagers, you know, to, like, to, to teach them that they can have a self-loving masturbation, mindful masturbation practice that will transcend their need to go out there and look for sex, get on pornography, get addicted to, um, you know, uh, sex in that way. <laughs> I want to make a comment on what people are talking about with, you know, I think what we're talking about is all about relationship. It's all about intimacy. So, you know, the most essential relationship was with yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can't. So that's what Simon's pointing out right now. It's like you can't have a relationship with anyone else unless you have a relationship with yourself and embracing all the aspects of yourself. Whatever yes. arises. So if it seems like we're talking about something other than that, <laughs> we're not. <laughs> like That's all we're really talking about. Yes. It's always being in love with yourself, being yeah. wholly, fully in love with yourself. And if pornography is, is taking you away from that, then that then that's then obviously that needs to be looked at. And that needs to be addressed. Um, if it's bringing you into that. And that needs to be looked at. That needs to be addressed. Like we talk, it's like we talked about earlier to me. It's like everything is a tool. And the yes. tool isn't – that's the way I see the universe at this point. It's like there's no tool that's good or bad. Even a gun, I'm sure, could be used for something positive. I, don't, I can't think of what at the moment. But, you know, anything that, that, that we have access to, if we have positive intent, if we come from a space of loving, positive, conscious intent, we'll use those tools – when we when we need to or don't need to in positive ways and if, if we're coming from a place of disconnection a place of um you know negativity a place of um, mm. illusion then we'll we'll find those tools to avoid to distract to repress to suppress to be get into addictive patterns um but the bottom line is it comes down to me to to us it comes down to come within ourselves and not whatever the external tool is or isn't yeah, and, and, and that, that might lead in for the people watching. So part of this practice, this is beautiful. Guess what it does? Cause it's what does not, it do? It's not always, it's not always beautiful. It's uh -huh. not, this is a deep self-introspection practice. This is not a, nice, not a nice experience sometimes. This brings up rage, anger, um, shame, guilt. It takes you into those repressed emotions. You're not going to just start doing orgasmic yoga and think like, oh, great. You're going to get some beautiful experiences. But in the beginning, you're going to be faced with all your shit. And that is why it is the most direct route to self-love. Because yeah. what happens, you go to a guru, you go to a yoga practice, you go do some meditation. It's beautiful, right? Most people meditate and they not always even meditate, right? They just close their mm -hmm. eyes, which is one thing, right? But like what happens is most of the times we avoid, and you just said it a moment ago, we avoid going in to the darkness. We avoid going into those repressed emotions, those wounds. But our yeah. wounds are the greatest gifts to give to the world. But if we keep avoiding our wounds, then all we do is suppress them even more. They become toxic. So, so one of the, the practice at the end is this. What were your, you have to write this down in your journal, right? What were your distractions? What was the treasure? What was the challenge? 
and what was your insight, which insight and treasure are similar, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens is you start to look at all the challenges and resistances that come up around you playing with yourself. And what you will soon find is all your beliefs that we said earlier, it goes back to what we said earlier, Brian. All I your know. stories, all your beliefs, all your stuff about porn is wrong, sex is wrong, this is wrong. Who cares? What matters is how are you and the relationship to your genitals? And how are you with your relationship to dying to all the personas and stories that are blocking you from your divine connection to source and God? That's it. So for me, I found, and this is just my experience, orgasmic yoga and the genitals take you straight face-to-face -face like this. Face-to-face -face with this? your... Like this. <laughs> Takes you face-to-face -face with all of your conditioning. Fantastic. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and I think the thing, the last thing I want to say, you know, is like, I have found that for me, for my personal journey, I mean, the things that I'm afraid, I, I would say one of the biggest things that has, has led to my evolution, you know, accelerated my evolution, has been the thing, and I, I, I sense this in you too, I don't think I've asked this directly, but I certainly sense it in your life path, the things that I've been most, most afraid of are the things I did. Right. Right? The things that felt the most uncomfortable are the things that I went into. Right. Like, directly. And when, whatever you're afraid of or you feel uncomfortable, if you do it, you find out that, again, that it's just a temporary experience. Yes. You know? It's yes. not, it, it can't hurt the essence of who you really are. Right. No matter what it is. And this is this great liberation, this great awakening to the absolute yeah. self that happens. Yeah. If you um, know that, if you know that, isn't it just a playground of fun? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if people feel... Um, you know, uncomfortable feelings around masturbation, then you should be masturbating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what, if people feel uncomfortable feelings about porn, maybe you should watch porn. Right. If you feel uncomfortable feelings about going to a certain neighborhood, maybe you should go into it. If you feel right. uncomfortable feelings with a certain kind of ethnicity or culture, maybe you should experience that ethnicity or culture. Like, it's like, you're going to find out no matter what, what you're afraid of, you're going to find out that God is there too. Yeah. That's what you're going to find out. So all these things that we think are not God, they're going to find out that they are God and you're still here and everything's fine. <laughs> everything's okay. And I love you so much, brother. That's it's so good to have this time with you. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I think that rounds us. I think that rounds off the talk magnificently because, you know, we could, we could wax lyrical on, on many other areas of this, but I hope that your audience and the people that listen to your beautiful wisdom and your sharing in life uh, have enjoyed this and, um, yeah, I think that just, that really does summarize it. It's so, so beautiful. I love you, man. Like we spoke three times. I feel like, you know, you're just a brother of love. That's it. We're, in, we're just rolling along, man. I just love watching, the, watching you pop up. And, and thank you so much for this invitation. Thank you so much. And, um, I think we set a new record for me for length of time <laughs> for a podcast. So congratulations to the winner for that. And he says, this conversation is gold, full spectrum, embracing it all to find greater self-love. Thank you. Thank you, Annie, so much for, for being here. Some of you jumped in at the end. I encourage you to listen to the whole thing because you came in talking about, you came in talking to us talking about, you know, certain things that you didn't get the full texture of what we're going at. I'm just listening to the whole thing and playback, and there's some really beautiful stuff in here. Um, where can people find you or how do people <clears throat> want to engage with you further? What do they do? 
<laughs> uh, I mean, at the moment, you can just head over to daraandsimon.com. That's probably the, the easiest access. And then from there, explore. I mean, on, on, um, on Facebook, I'm just uh, Simon Paul Sutton. But, you know, find me. Like, the thing is, you don't need to find me. You need to find yourself. <laughs> And on that note, (laughs) we're out. Ciao. Love you, brother. Love you. Love you all. Thank you all for being here. See you in the next now.